So Isaiah 26, beginning in verse 1. And that day this song will be sung in the land of Judah. And we have a strong city. He sets up salvation as walls and bulwarks. Open the gates that the righteous nation that keeps faith may enter it. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. And I was preparing for this week, I thought, this message has been a year in the making. But really, it goes back to 1990. When I first put my faith and my trust in the Lord. And so as we look at this this morning, I don't want this to come across as what Todd has done in the last year, in the last 30 years. But what God has done in me. And so I titled this this morning, Faith Rests in the Lord. And so we'll look at the source of faith, the fruit of faith, the focus of faith, the confidence of faith, and the security of faith. And so as you focus on verses 3 and 4, it says, You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind has stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. And so as, as God brought this to me, he really started to show me and just unpack it as I, as I meditated on it, as I read it, as I prayed over it. And the first thing that stuck out to me is, is you keep him in perfect peace. And I find it interesting, he doesn't say... Um, you keep yourself in perfect peace, or, um, or in the you here is talking about God. It's not the you, the, the, the person who has the faith. It's, it's you from the Lord. And he says, God keeps him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on, on you. Again, God. God keeps him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him because he trusts in God and because he trusts in him. And so there's just so many important truths on this is to realize that my faith is not my own. My faith has been granted to me and gifted to me by the Lord. And, um, and there's so much confidence that this brought to me, but just it really outlined and set up the next, next verse as well. And we read in Hebrews 12.1, and this is a verse that really God used in parallel to this. Um, in, if you sat in this church for a while, you were familiar with these verses, Hebrews 12.1 and 2. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so in that middle it says, looking to Jesus, the founder or the author and the perfecter of our faith. And so here we see that played out here in Isaiah 26 and, and that Christ, he keeps us, but also um, he keeps us, which is fantastic. But how can you keep something if you don't already have it? And so he's, he's, he gives us faith. Um, we, know, we see that in Hebrews 12, the founder of our faith, but also the perfecter of our faith. And in that perfecting, he brings us along um, in our faith. And so I, I love this, that he's our source of faith. And he doesn't just bring us to faith, but he also sustains us in our faith. He sustains and he protects those who trust him. And to keep here, it says it's to watch or to guard is, is what it's talking about. So he watches, he guards those in perfect peace, those who are stayed in, on him. And so, you know, we have obtained our faith, but we also, in that we have, there's, there's fruit that that faith brings. And... We see the fruit in, the, in that sex, second section, or at the end of that first phrase there. You keep him in what? 
in perfect peace. You know, faith is followed by peace with God. And that's what salvation brings. It brings us to peace with God. We're no longer at enmity with the Lord. And so that faith brings us peace. It brings us salvation with the Lord. And that's what the fruit is. We get to, to experience that peace with God. And the Lord gives peace of heart, and that, that peace is fortified by our faith. And the context here is, you know, the future deliverance of Israel is what this is talking about in, in chapter 26. And it says, going back to verse 1, we have a strong city. He, he sets up salvation as walls and bulwarks. Open the gates that the righteous nation that keeps faith may enter it. And so that peace, that fortification by faith comes from, from the Lord. And there's also a future deliverance that Israel is looking forward to. But they're fortified by the walls of the city, and those walls of the city are faith. They're kept in faith and protected by the Lord. Isaiah thirty fifteen says, For thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest you shall, not, you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. And so that peace brings a rest, and we talk about this from Matthew. God brings a rest to our souls. But also, in quietness and trust shall be your strength. And I like the parallel with peace is, is quietness and trust. And so the Lord gives peace of heart. That's fortified by faith. But he also, the believer can find refuge in the Lord. And look into to Psalm 46, verses 1 and 7. They read, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And then down to verse 7, he says, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So he, we see he's our refuge. We turn to him when, um, when we're in danger, when we're in peril, when we're in need. And he says he's a very present help in time of trouble. Praise God. Amen. And he says, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. If, you're, um, if you feel at danger at any time, like if you're outside and the thunderstorm comes, what do you do? You probably run inside because you don't want to be struck by lightning. You don't want to be exposed to the weather, to the elements, to the dangers of the outside world. And that's why I love that idea of fortress is we're protected. We have these walls that are faith in the Lord. We have these walls that are secured by the Lord. And so he's our very present help in trouble because he is our fortress and he is our deliverer. And so in our faith, that's, that's a fruit that we get to experience is, is that fortress of the Lord, that peace that he brings. And that peace we also see in Psalm 112. And you're going to see a lot of Psalm verses coming out, so I don't apologize. Uh, God has used them to, to strengthen me incredibly and speak to me and show me his character in a new way. But Psalm 112, verses 6 through 8, says, For the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid. It's because of that fortress that we have in the Lord. The believer doesn't fear for their circumstances. They're protected. Contrast this to James, and we've we spent a lot of time in James, but going back to James 1, verses 5 through 8. He says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let, us, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. 
He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Does that sound like the believer? Does that sound somebody who's secure, who has the, pa- the peace of the Lord in his heart? That is in the fortress of the Lord? No, they're unstable. They're double-minded, unstable in what they do. And so faith allows a person to rest in the promises of God. How can the believer always find peace? And that peace comes from their focus. And so let's read on. It says, you keep him in perfect peace. Who does he keep in perfect peace? Whose mind is stayed on you. Whose mind is stayed, who's fixed on the Lord. And so the focus of faith also is God. He's the source of faith. He's a protector. He's the peace that, that comes. But the focus of faith is the Lord. And I like the NASB version says, the steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. I like that steadfast of mind. It's easy to be, to not be steadfast. When all the world is trying to distract us and, and put these things and bombard us with other truths and other lies, well, not other truths if they're from the world, other lies from the world, but those of steadfast in mind who are focused and fixed and steadfast in the Lord will be kept in perfect peace. And so those, the focus of faith is the Lord. The believer, he has a steadfast purpose. And that purpose is to continually seek the Lord. Jeremiah 29, 13, he says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And I love that. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. How easy it is to seek with, with half our heart or with half our time. To be distracted and, and to read your Bible and then oh, flip through something and watch TV in the background. The believer has a steadfast purpose and that is to seek the Lord continually. But it doesn't just stop there. He wants to see his name be praised. Not our name be praised. If we go down in Isaiah 26, verse 8, it says, In the path of your judgments, O Lord, we will wait for you. That's hard to do. He says, Your name and remembrance are the desire of our soul. And like he points out, your name and your remembrance are the desire of our soul. Not my name, not my remembrance, but your name and your remembrance. And I just like how this portrays that beyond the circumstances, beyond the trouble that we face, beyond the doubts that we face, the insecurities that we face, the trials that we face, the believer desires for the Lord's name to be praised. Not to look at me and say, look what I have done through this, but look at what God has done through me and through this situation. So the believer has a steadfast purpose. He has a steadfast mind. And Matthew 22 37 says, And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. I haven't really thought about this last part. I, th- I think of all your heart and all your soul with all of our being and all that it is. But God, God also created us with minds, with minds to seek and to d- desire learning and to, to desire to, to put our mind to use. And listen to a podcast that really challenged me this and, and and brought this verse to light and said, we're to love the Lord with our minds. Do you ever desire to, to think about the things of God, to contemplate the things of Scripture? 
it incredibly convicted me to realize sometimes I just need to sit and to think and to dwell, to focus on the things of the Lord. And that pleases him. In the process, I believe he will change our hearts. Absolutely. But our, our goal should be focusing on the Lord. If this is a, a challenge to you to spend your mind and to seek the things of the Lord, just know that we, we can't expect the Lord to fill us with eternal blessings when we fill our minds and our hearts with, with earthly junk or earthly clutter or just earthly distractions. And so I encourage you, I exhort you to focus your mind, to focus your heart on the things of the Lord. So we see the source of faith, we see the focus, the fruit of faith, we see the focus of faith, and as we continue, we see the confidence of faith. It says, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And that's where the confidence comes from, from trusting the Lord. And so confidence not in ourselves and what we've accomplished, what we've attained, but because what we just talked about, our, our, our reliance on God as the, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Our confidence is in the faith giver. And I love Hebrews 11.1. 1. And this has been, God has used this to teach me in a new light. He says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We talk about this all the time here as well. But there's one word that really stuck out. It said, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. He doesn't say faith might be the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It should be faith is the assurance of things hoped for, conviction of things not seen. That's a certainty that we can trust in. And so that's where our confidence comes from. We can be assured that we have something to hope for, that we have something, even though we can't see it, waiting for us. And so our confidence comes from Christ, the faith giver. And that assurance has two meanings. It's used a couple times in Hebrews, and one is exact imprint. And it says the exact representation of the nature and essence of God. And we see this in, in Hebrews 1.3. It says he is the radiance of the glory of God. It's talking about Jesus. The radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Saying Jesus is God. He is an exact imprint of God the Father. And of the three in one of the Almighty. And so if you think of... We don't do this today, but back in the day, they used to have, a king would have a ring, and if they sent a letter to somebody, they would put wax on it, and then they would, they would stamp their ring in that letter, and that was the seal of, of the king. And they would know it's an official letter by that seal, because what was left, when they imprinted that in, in the wax was left, the exact imprint was, was there for the, the receiver of that to know this is from the king. And so that's, that's what this exact imprint is, an exact representation and so that assurance is exact imprint, but it also talks about confidence. And that confidence is seen in Hebrews 3.14. It says, For we have come to share in Christ, 
if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. I like that confidence. He says, that original confidence. What's that original confidence? That's who you put your faith and your trust in at the time of salvation. And so that, that confidence is a steadiness. It's a firm trust that who you trusted in at the time of salvation, you will continue to trust in as you are, um, as you are sanctified and um, as you draw near to the Lord and as you grow in your faith. That confidence comes from Christ, but it, it will not fade from the time of salvation for those who, who have their faith. And so we see a steadiness, a firm trust because of that confidence that we first had in the Lord. And part of that confidence is, is confidence in the Lord's sovereignty. Does anybody like this section? You can talk about the sovereignty of the Lord all day long. We could be, it can be a hard one to swallow, to trust that, yep, God, you know what you're doing. Knowing that God's plans are higher than our plans. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Needless to say, I've been, we've been challenged by this in the last year, at trusting the Lord and his sovereignty. I threw the biggest heartache, through the biggest loss I could ever imagine, and never pictured what happened to me happened to trust God that his plans are higher than my plans, and that he has a purpose in this. It's hard to read verses like Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that God, that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who called according to his purpose. How is there good in trial? How is there good in suffering? How is there goodness in sorrow, in loss, when we have nothing and things that we love are taken from us? How's it, how do we trust the character of God in those times? Let me tell you the value of this book cannot be taken away, no matter what those times are. And so God knows what is best. God is sovereign. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His plans are not our plans. But he does have a purpose. We may not know what it is, but we need to trust his purpose. And so going back to Isaiah 26, verse 3, he says, To keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And so there's almost like a vicious cycle here. It's like because he trusts in you, he's kept in perfect peace, but he trusts because the Lord is the one who gives him faith to give him a reason to trust. And so as we trust him, even in the trials, even in the heartache, we're going to trust him the believer's mind is going to be stayed on him, and as he focuses on Christ, his faith is strengthened because he can trust the Lord. He sees the God faithful to his promises, that God of the Bible is true. And so it strengthens his faith, and he continues to trust. And so you see the cycle of the believer is affirmed and assured in their faith as they lean in trust in the Lord. But that trust ultimately comes from who God is. In verse 4 it says, Trust in the Lord forever, 
for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. And so the believer, there's a security of faith because the Lord God is an everlasting rock. The Lord is faith's stronghold. And literally it talks about the rock of ages is what this is talking about. You've, you may be familiar with that song, Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me, I'm Standing on the Solid Rock. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. The Lord is, the, is faith's stronghold. A rock never moves. You know, like, it's like, well, of course a rock never moves. It's, it's, it's firm, it's solid. He says, don't build your, your house in the sand, but build your house on the rock, on the Lord. But he also adds that, that word everlasting rock, which seems like, it, why does it need to be there? Isn't a rock already everlasting? But he's just reassuring the Lord is an everlasting rock and that never runs out. And he is the reason we can trust. We read about this in our scripture reading this morning in Psalm 62, verses one and two. It says, for, alone, for God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. See it again in Psalm 71, three. Be to me a rock of refuge to which I may continually come. You have given the command to save me for you are my rock and my fortress. Talks about he's our high tower, he's our deliverer. And he is the reason we can trust because he is an everlasting rock. As we came in this morning, I think everybody here is sitting down. Did anybody look at your chair, inspect the legs, inspect the seat, inspect the back, make sure it's going to hold you up? No, it seems silly, right? It's generally accepted that chairs are going to hold you up. We trust that. And so as, as superficial as that may seem, we, there are a lot of things we put our trust in. You probably came here by car this morning, you trusted that when you put your foot on the gas, it would go, Right? When you did this, that it, would, that it would turn. Especially you put your foot on the brake, that it would stop. We put our faith in a lot of things. And yet, often we have a hard time trusting the God of the universe. That what he says in this word is true. I praise God for my wife. The day Emmy passed, we looked at each other and said, well, this is it. We have the opportunity to put what we've been preaching to action. We trust the Lord. It's a hard thing to do when the things you love are taken away. But I can tell you, he has not let us down. You understand the depth of the Lord's mercy. You need it. It's when you're in the pit and you don't know how you can move forward that God shows you who he is. And so I say this is a message that's been 30 years in the making. Praise God for that. I had 32 years of studying this before I'd be tried. Before I'd be questioned, do you really believe that? Your life is easy. And looking back, it's like, man, my life was so easy. 
I know there have been times Aaron and I both look at each other and said, like, we just had it so easy and we're oblivious. But I will say, time spent with the Lord and in his word is not wasted. Faith is built during the trial, during, it's strengthened, during, it's challenged during trials, but it's built during easier times where you can, you can lean on the Lord. And if you say you're going to trust him, take the time to study to get to know him so that when, when things in this world don't go as, as we planned, that you can follow him and say, yeah, I know who God is because I spent time in his word. I'm going to cling to him because I know what he, he tells me through his word. We've both been incredibly encouraged by Charles Spurgeon. If you haven't spent much time reading some of his writings, I, I strongly encourage you to. He, he has a depth of understanding of scripture, but just an incredible trust in the Lord. And it wasn't without heartache and without trial. He was a man who experienced many trials. And one quote he said that Aaron shared with a devotional she read yesterday was, um, it was about faith, and he has a morning and evening devotional that she's going through right now, and so gives an opportunity to, to focus on something each day. And yesterday, here's, a, here's a, a couple sentences from it. He says, Faith looks back upon the past, for her battles have strengthened her, and her victories have given her courage. She remembers that God has never failed her, that he never once failed any of his children. Thus, faith views each promise in its connection with the promise giver, and because she does so, can say with assurance, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I love that faith looks back upon the past for her battles, battles have strengthened her. And her victories have given her courage. Faith that endures strengthens your faith because it shows you that God can still be trusted even through the trials. Notice in all of these things, says, you keep him in perfect peace. God keeps him in perfect peace whose, whose mind is stayed on God because he trusts in God, trusts in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. God is in all of this. God is in, as the source of faith, the fruit of faith, the confidence, the focus, the security of faith. It's all from the Lord. Which of these areas are you challenged the most of those five, of the source, the fruit, the focus, the confidence, the security? Which one challenges you the most? I want to encourage you to face that head on, to spend time with the Lord, to, to challenge you, to encourage you, to show you, to ask God to show you more of himself. As a source of faith, what or who do you put your faith in? If it's not the Lord, who is it? If you're trying to do it on your own, you cannot. So the fruit of faith, if you aren't experiencing peace, turn to the promises of God every day. Now, I'm not saying you need to completely, just obliviously, blindly submit to hardship. But if you're not experiencing the fruit of, of, of faith, you may need to consider what things of the Lord do you need to dwell on. Do you need to trust his goodness, his promises. I encourage you to turn to the promises of scripture. That will encourage your heart and your soul. To be like, I, this is who God is. If you're struggling with the focus of faith, 
I want to challenge you, where and how do you spend your time? Do you love the Lord your God with your mind? We seek what we desire, and those who desire the Lord will seek the Lord. So spend time with the Lord. Focus your heart and your mind on the things of God. The confidence of faith, and this, God has definitely challenged me with this one. And I said, is, is trusting like God's thoughts are higher than my thoughts. God, God works all things for good. That is hard when times are tough to rest in the promises of God, in the goodness of God, in the face of adversity and trial. But do you believe that God in his goodness, that, that goodness can be seen in the, in the midst of trial? Do you believe that? How do trials, how does persecution, how does sickness abound in the midst of God's love? I know that these are all questions that you can ask God. And don't be afraid to dig in and ask the Lord these things. I'm going to turn to Psalm 55. Look at verses 16, 17, and 22. Psalm 55, verse 16. And just by the way, just a, a note before I read this. If you haven't spent much time in the Psalms and Lamentations and in some of the Old Testament writings, I want to encourage you to do that, especially with the Psalms. It's great to see how authentic the authors are with the Lord. I think there's, what, a third of them are songs of lament. They're questioning, God, why? You know, how many times do you see, God, why this? But you know what? God can handle those hard questions. There's, I was thinking, especially in today's society, a, a tendency to avoid confrontation and to avoid hard conversations, but God can handle them. He gave us hearts and he gave us minds to question and to try to understand what's going on. That's, that's not without, um, without purpose, but also in the seeking, we need to be trusting in the Lord, in his character and who he is. And so I love the Psalms of Lament. They say, why, Lord? And they said, I trust you, but why, Lord? I trust you, but why? Because they want to understand why am I faced with this. But Psalm 55, 16, he says, but I call to the Lord and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan, and he hears my voice. He understands, he knows that God listens, God hears, and so he, he continues to cry out before the Lord. And going on to verse 22, he says, Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. And I love this, cast your burden on the Lord. God wants us to come to him with what's, what's burdening us. And I think through that, he exposes our sin and our heart and the things we're dwelling on, but also he, because of that, he shows us and he meets us on the other side. Like, you're focusing on this, but I want you to focus on me. I want you to focus on on the sustaining grace that I have for you, on the righteousness that I have for you. So don't be afraid to ask God tough questions, but also give him time to answer. It's good to sit. Sometimes it's hard place to sit in the heaviness and the weightiness of scripture and the weightiness of heartache and the weightiness of trial and to listen for the Lord. That's incredibly hard to do but I firmly believe that God will meet you in that, in that moment and he will strengthen you through it. If nothing else to say, God, I can't do this. He will come alongside you and say, yes, you can because I am with you.
Psalm 23 says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, does he say, you have abandoned me? He says, no, you are with me. God is with us through our darkest moment. If you're considering the security of your faith, do you trust that salvation is better than your circumstances? And we'll talk about this more next week as we talk about hope, but do you trust that your salvation, your eternal security in the Lord, confidence that you have from him, do you trust that's better than what you have or don't have here and now today? Are you satisfied with that, with that future inheritance in the Lord? And there's a song, I won't sing it, um, you know, it says, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. An old song, and way older than me, but it's, it's a good one. Um, but I love that reminder, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. I think it's a constant reminder, don't get comfortable here. This is not your permanent dwelling. This is your temporary dwelling. But what faith does not guarantee, it doesn't guarantee wealth, abundance, the American dream, status, authority. A lot of things that we seek, none of those are guaranteed by faith. And I think, unfortunately, and I have been victim of this, it's so easy to assert salvation with those things. Say, if I trust God, I will have this. I won't have to worry about money. You may need to worry about money. You may need to be very careful with how you spend. Or if I trust God, he'll give me this promotion or this status or this title, these things that I want and that the world tells us are important. But faith doesn't guarantee any of those things. And unfortunately, that's a path of endless disappointment because it misplaces our trust in the blessing, puts our trust in the blessing, that that thing, instead of the Lord. If we trust in the Lord, those things, well, they can be motivators, but they should not be the objects of our faith. One thing faith does guarantee, guarantees a relationship with the sovereign and holy creator and Lord. It guarantees endurance to the end. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. Doesn't that crown sound amazing? We don't get to wear it now. We kind of do. We get to rest in it. But when we get to heaven, we get to fully receive the crown of life. I love the end of that verse, which God has promised to those who love him. That is guaranteed. So if your faith is being challenged right now, lean into God. He can be trusted. The God of the Bible, God is who he says he is in the Bible and he can be trusted. If your faith really isn't being challenged right now, if life seems kind of easy, there's nothing wrong with that. At the same time, lean into God so that when it is challenged, you will come out stronger. Just trust him because you, you spent the time to know and to trust the God of the word. So as I mentioned, you know, from James 1, it says when we... When he has stood, he will receive the crown of life. And that crown of life is something that gives us hope because of the future that we have with Christ. And that's something we'll focus on next week. But please bow with me in a word of prayer.